everyone. It's me, Matt Burton. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! Just wanted to give a shout out to all of you who listen and all of you who subscribe to our Patreon page because we just passed 200 patrons! Seriously, we are extremely grateful for all of you and we can't we can't thank you enough. This is awesome. And if you aren't subscribed, that's okay. But if you want to subscribe, go to patreon.com slash through the keyhole and you'll find all of our stuff there. We have $1 tier for just the writing. We have $4 tier for writing and podcasts and then $5 tier for writing podcasts and Keegan's film reviews. All right. Again, enough of me. You guys want to hear Brady and Keegan. So here they are on through the keyhole. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Through the Keyhole. Apologies for the lateness of this podcast, because as you all know, our patrons at Through the Keyhole, um, I was stricken with not COVID, but some type of stomach virus that knocked me on my ass. Uh, Saturday night, Sunday, all day. Most of Monday, I, uh, I I haven't been sick in years. <laughs> and, um, let's just say I didn't have a lot of fun. And, you know, everybody, everybody gets sick from time to time. Everybody has work that they are responsible for. And unfortunately for me, um, I was just kind of stuck in bed. And yet stuff I was responsible for still needed to take place. And so I just, you know. I'll take the L on this one, guys. My bad. Sorry about the Monday post coming out on Tuesday. Sorry about the Tuesday pod coming out on Wednesday. But the last thing I would do is just not do anything for you guys. But it is what it is. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not fun. Hopefully, everybody else is fine. Because, I mean, basically, a lot of people I know um, that I work with um, got it. So if you live in Oklahoma City, uh, just watch out. Uh, <laughs> you know, don't share drinks with anybody. Don't, uh, uh, especially if you're at a tailgate, you know, don't, don't do anything like that. Wash your hands. You know, the, the, the things we've been told for the last year and a half, just do all those things and be healthy. Take your vitamins, say your prayers, all that shit. Also get this out of the way. If you've not done so on Apple podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and review. Greatly appreciate that. It would help get the podcast out to more and more people. We would greatly appreciate that. Spotify doesn't let you do anything like that. I don't know why, but um, we are also on Spotify. We're on Google Play, everything, wherever you can listen to podcasts, uh, subscribe, retweet, share. We would greatly appreciate that. And of course, our Patreon page through uh, patreon.com slash through the keyhole. The Monday post is out and live on a Tuesday. Uh, Keegan's film review over Nebraska, also live. And we just got over 200 patrons, and I couldn't be more excited, couldn't be more thankful. That is an awesome, awesome achievement. Um, not just for us, but I mean, for you guys, thank you all so much, because a lot of you guys have been with us. A lot of our patrons have been with us since at some point last season. So for whatever reason, <laughs> uh, you guys have decided to stick with us and we're, we're very, very thankful for that. So uh, if you've not given the Patreon a chance, please do so. Um, we're going to start making some stuff free after like a few days um, just to give you guys that 
aren't pledged or subscribed or following along, um, just to give you guys a little bit of a taste of, okay, like what, what do they have to offer? Because I don't want everything to be behind a paywall. I want, I want you guys to be able to enjoy OU content, just like I enjoy OU content. So uh, just give us a chance at through the keyhole on patreon.com. And then also you can follow along on Facebook on our Facebook page at keyhole pod. So there it is. Now let us get to some type of post Nebraska reaction, some type of looking ahead to West Virginia, 630 under the lights. Oh my God. Night game, Norman, Oklahoma, and not a pay-per-view game. This is truly, truly a once in a lifetime moment, Keegan. But yeah, there's Keegan. I'm Brady. Every, hi, everybody. We're back. What's up, Keegan? It's been a good Wednesday morning. Actually been nice to have, it feels like I'm back in my element, Brady. Wake up, grind it out for 12 hours, 13 hours in a day, go to bed, wake up, do it again. So it's been a fun last four days uh, doing what we're doing over at RPM. But it's, uh, you're talking about a little stomach bug going around. That's what I was telling you. I told you yesterday, it's like, hell, I thought I'd maybe have passed it to you. I was sick a little bit last week. Probably not the smartest thing to do, just kind of roll with the punches, especially during this COVID time. But it didn't really, with the allergies that are as bad as they are right now here in Oklahoma City, yeah, I had a little bit of a fever and I threw up a little bit last week, so a week ago tonight. But felt a lot better the rest of the week afterwards, so I'm glad you're feeling better and I hope everybody is. But it's been a fantastic – Brady, have you enjoyed the cold front that has come through? Because I enjoy it. Well – Look, <laughs> I um, I, I I didn't feel 100% yesterday, so I didn't really want to go outside, but I was told that it felt nice outside. Twitter did a very good job of telling me that. And just my curse with OU football is kind of my curse with the weather. When I'm watching OU football, I wish I could watch it in the present and enjoy it, but especially when you're going into a year like this where you're thinking, okay, they're, they're a legitimate national title contender because they have all these boxes checked. And so when I'm sitting there watching them play and I'm watching them play like shit, I start thinking, well, this won't age well. I don't like their chances moving forward. I don't like their chances even to win in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, so it's hard for me to watch the game in the present and enjoy it or just be thankful that they're 3-0, and like I've been told and told and told and told <laughs> to be thankful on Twitter. So I, I apply the same thing, unfortunately, with the weather living in Oklahoma, because when I see 70 degrees outside, when, when, I, when I feel that, I'm like, I wish I could enjoy this, but all I know this is this is the absolute harbinger of doom, because fall and especially winter in Oklahoma is a hellscape of inconsistent weather, of weather that makes you want to stay inside, and so I, I can't enjoy it in the moment. I just see it as gone are the consistent days of it's hot. And that's what I prefer. I like tank tops and shorts. That's, a lot of, that's what I like to wear. You know, I'm a, I'm a hoodie guy. I will wear a hoodie even if it's 95 degrees outside for some reason. Yep. I am in love right now. I almost walked outside just bare-ass bare naked, Brady, and just embraced it. It's like fall is coming. It is here. Football is going to continue to get better. And Brady, I, you and I are a lot closer here on the whole 3-0 and aspect of Oklahoma football right now because 
I think they're rightfully getting dragged by the data keeping them uh, as high as they are right now. They did play an eight-possession game, basically. Eight true offensive possessions. Could have had nine. Uh, the thing we didn't talk about from the film review that will make you frustrated. Uh, that drive before half was interesting. You had a timeout to use if you're Oklahoma. Oh, that's classic and- Lincoln Riley, man. Like you've got you've got one drive before halftime, and you could could have a chance to score if you just you know because it's Lincoln Riley offense near Oklahoma. You for you to score in two or three plays is not rare. And you've got a timeout. Oh no, we're just going to go to halftime, Didn't or we're just going to happen- go to overtime. Who who was it with? Was it 17 against TCU where they were going to take it into half and they got a big play on first down and like Baker went over to the sideline and was like, hey, let's go for it. Yeah. Um, but I, like, if I remember because Marquise Brown caught that huge pass over the middle of the field um, and then Anderson caught the pass and rumbled in the end zone, I think, on that little vertical route out of the backfield. But yeah, I mean, before we dive too much into it, I mean, pretty basic, Brady. They couldn't get off the field on defense and they couldn't stay on the field on offense for the most part. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think, uh, I think, I think I'm really going to go back on my preseason predictions and not, not, not to say that I think they're going to go nine and three or anything, but I think I'm going to go back and look at all these scores, especially going into league play and think, I don't think I'm going to be calling for any 45 to 13 games or 52 to 10 games anymore. Because until this team proves to me that they can beat the shit out of an, an inferior power five opponent, I'm just going to assume that they won't do it because for whatever reason, the offense can't get going and the defense, while it's shown its potential, I, I think much more than the offense has in three games still kind of gives you the worry of well, why is this team scoring? Why is this team getting first downs? Why is this team getting yards? Um, and a lot of that can be attributed to, I mean, what? why are the linebackers a little underwhelming to me outside of a few plays here and there? And you can even, you can even do what I was, you know, with the linebackers, you can even do what I was talking about earlier of like seeing how they play against Tulane or seeing how they play against Nebraska and being concerned, projecting that forward to, I bet Chris Kleiman is just beaten off thinking about the middle of the field, this defense, especially, you know, if Brian Asamoa or David Aguebu get lost in the trash when guys just like cross, like, what do you think Kansas state's thinking about? Like looking ahead <laughs> of that game, like of course. So like that, that's concerning to me. Another thing that's concerning to me, why the fuck is Justin Broyles still out there? Like stop, stop putting him out there. Put somebody else. I don't care if you ruin an 18-year-old's future. Put somebody else out there that wants to hit somebody. That first drive against Nebraska where... Yeah, that that, wasn't good. That fade route where Broyles had the angle and the... Oh, no, the out route, the out route, the out route. The out route. The angle and the space to either do one of three things, pass interfere the motherfucker, hit the ball, or hit the receiver... He did none of those three things. The guy just had a simple pitch and catch and walked out of bounds. And I'm like, on third uh, down uh, too, I think. Right. Yeah, and he got a first down. I'm like, okay, like <laughs> this is this is ridiculous. That Justin Broyles has no business playing football uh, in a starting role in a two deep position, two deep role at the University of Oklahoma. I'm sorry, like. I, we have seen far too much evidence to support that. I don't mean to bag on him at all. 
I, I know from the beat guys that say that he's a great kid. And like, I have no doubt about that, but this is not a podcast about the character of, you know, student athletes. This is a, this is a podcast about the football play of football players. And when we see crap like that over and over and over again, and you're talking about a team with national title aspirations, you see that as that is, that is the little hole on in, in the wall of Helm's Deep in the in the two towers on Lord of the Rings where it's like, there's the weak link. Just expose that. Expose it. Please, Billy Bowman. Please, Woody Washington. Please get back ASAP. I think the, the biggest thing, especially along the lines of what you're talking about, I, I think it's bigger than Broyles. Because, like, I don't – I like you know me. I, I said it from watching. I went out to watch Ethan Downs at Kingfisher last year, and I came back, Brady, and was basically like, when that dude gets moved inside, he's going to be a monster. Um, he wasn't ready to play against Nebraska. Like he, and he, and he shouldn't, that shouldn't shock anybody. He's 18. No. Yeah. And like Marcus Stripling's on the field on a third down. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot that's going into this and I appreciate Grinch and the, the rotations he has to keep guys fresh, but and these high leverage downs, these third and fours that are changing the game and these third and sevens and these one, trust your guys that their talents are good enough. Because this is what I said last week, right? Like, or I said on the postgame pod, like I can sit here and tell you that these guys have NFL futures based off people that I, I know in the industry. Like they have six guys along the defensive line, maybe seven that are going to be NFL players. They've got Two, three, they got two linebackers that are going to. Now, Brian Osamoa, again, he's so freaking, it's like, how, this is now the, let's think about this. They played 11 games last year. They were nine and two. So that they're now played three more. This is the 14th straight, I think, game week or game related podcast that I've come on and said Brian Osamoa is so damn close. He just has to get it. I sent a funny video to Brady. Like he's like the the mighty ducks kid where uh God not is it it might be Luis Mendoza, but in the mighty ducks, all the people that listen to this are like, Keegan, it's this name. How do you not know? But he couldn't stop. He was so fast and couldn't stop in the movie, right? So they you know took a section of the movie and like did a drill with him. Like, that's what Brian Osamo reminds me of. Like he's so damn athletic, it's almost too athletic for his own good. Like he thinks he can always scrape over a linebacker because he's fast enough, athletic enough. When he gets there now, he's so worried about missing a tackle, he breaks down either early or gives up an angle to the guy. Um, so there was a lot of David Aguebu hate on Saturday. Both times that he – it looked like he didn't cover his guy. Uh, he got hit by a crossing DB or another player. Like, can't really blame him for that. And then Key Lawrence busted on a play he's a new player to be expected like to have a mental mistake like that like i, I i'm pretty sure it was key if, again uh drink was. right now right drink the fact that this broadcast view was so bad and you can't see anything besides <laughs> the linebackers in line was the most frustrating part of the rewatch so the, the cameraman of this broadcast sucked uh he was bad he bless that dude's heart but you would have thought he'd had never broadcasted or filmed a football game in this era before because every RPO, the, the camera was like so slow at following the ball. 
I've never seen a game so poorly broadcasted. So I, I guess I will share in your, uh, I, I don't like my angles when I'm doing my film reviews. Dude, like, it was so, it, it was so bad. Like, it's like you hear Lincoln and you hear all these, you know, Teddy and Gabe, like talking about this, um, like they have access to all 22. <laughs> so it's like, it's hard to sit here and like talk about like coverages that Nebraska was running. I mean, they were clearly playing an umbrella defense and forcing Oklahoma to do everything in front and, you know, death by a thousand cuts and all that fun stuff. Right. But I'll say this, I don't think, and we, we can, I'm not assuming anything about this team. We said this last week that they needed to go cover a line. Uh, same thought this week for me, but uh, because that means they performed above expectation, but here's the problem. You can't assume that anymore. You can't assume that these guys, the offensive lines is going to wake up on Saturday and Dante stills who I'm jokingly, this is the second time I've said this like legit, like Denzel Okafor, the left guard at Texas in the second half, they just lined up Dante stills right over him. And like Denzel Okafor could probably sue for damages that that guy did to his career. Like after that game, there was no hope of Denzel Okafor ever NFL guy. <laughs> like it was that bad. So you can't assume that this week they're going to show up and deal with an NFL defensive tackle like that. Like you can't assume that Oklahoma is going to run a defense that is really going to assert their will on an opponent, even if it's a strength of them or a weakness of them. You can't assume this, but I will say I do agree offensively that they're close. That second half, you heard me say this a couple of times now, they looked a lot better. The passing game, Spencer looked a lot better. Um, he still had too much pressure in his face. I know he he did throw off his back foot probably too too many times this week. Um, that's really the first time that I've noticed it, right? Um, but I, I'll say this. I feel a lot better about where the offense is at in terms of I know that there's more in there. Lincoln literally maybe alluded to it yesterday that this thing hasn't been opened up. Um, I'm actually less worried about the offense and you know, this, know this Brady and I'm worried about the defense from, they just, it seems like they're just playing really conservative for a coordinator that is rolls the dice. He's analytically minded. Um, it's almost like, you know, you, you heard me say this and you, you saw me say this Brady, like it's almost on against Nebraska. I know they have a mobile quarterback and things are a little bit different, but it's almost like they were like, letting Nebraska have a chance to beat them instead of forcing Nebraska to beat you. They were letting them have the opportunity to, and that does worry me uh, with not this week, but they go on the road to Manhattan. It's going to be an absolutely chaotic environment, especially if Kansas state goes and wins this weekend. Um, They need to assert their will defensively. You've got, you got the, you got, I'm dead ass serious when I say this. You have the most, the best and deepest defensive line in the country. I don't, it's, I don't think it's been, it, I don't think it's been more apparent. One, we need to talk about one guy here in a second in particular, and that's 31 and Jalen Redmond. But two, just let those guys play. Like, let, let everybody play. Go have fun. It's like these guys aren't having fun playing the game, Brady. And like you said a second ago, kind of some of the lines of my high school stuff. Like, just go have fun. Put a smile on your face. Let the boys play. Like, that's where my biggest complaint comes from the coaching staff. The players got to be better. Um, but I, I think the players got to be better. But I think a lot – Lincoln's not lying when he says they don't need to be a lot better. They need – everybody needs to be a little bit better. And that includes him. Yeah. Um, I, I think with the defense or the play calling or 
you know, whatever conservative play is kind of coming from that side of the football. You know, everyone's kind of been under this spell or this understanding forever, you know, especially under Bob Stoops. And and I would assume this has always been a thing, you know, with OU football where OU holds their cards until, you know, truly until the Texas game. And, and just in terms of where the Texas game lies on the schedule every single year, the second Saturday in October, you get a handful of games in, but then that's kind of the, that's the beginning of the second half of the season where the championship run starts. So it's not necessarily that it is Texas. Let's hold everything for them so we can surprise them. It's just, no, that's, that's kind of the beginning of like the grind going into championship season, just in terms of where it lies on the schedule. I've started to think over the last two weeks, you know, this is the optimistic side of my OU brain still trying to be at work here. I've been thinking that if anybody's being conservative, looking ahead to anything, I think it's Grinch. And I think he's waiting for Kansas state. Mm. Because they're going to have it, a great opportunity it, this week to, open they, this they thing are, up and be a they, they are running nothing but a defense that, like I mentioned earlier, that Chris Kleiman and Kansas state is just jerking off to right now. Oh, I they, agree. They, they, Kansas state would watch OU film and go, are they going to do that against us? Are we really going to beat them three years in a row? Like it, this is awesome. And then, and then we roll out in Manhattan and then run a five, two, you know, like, I, I don't know, like that, that won't happen, but I mean, hell, they sure gotta, as hell better not rush three. I can tell you that. Yeah. And I, I just, it has to be the case, right? Because this Oklahoma defense, like, yeah, you're right. Everything you said was right. But I mean, I mentioned it earlier. I think that they've flashed more of their potential more than the offense has. Sure. And it's basically just been from the standpoint of whenever Oklahoma absolutely needed a stop against Tulane and against Nebraska, and not just the ends of games, but when when they absolutely needed one, when they dialed up pressure, the defensive line just overwhelmed everybody. You know? And I guess you can even kind of mention something like, well, whatever coverage you know, Odom and Grinch are trying to ask the linebackers to pull or the secondary. It's under the understanding that the defensive line does their job. And they haven't done their job the entire time. They've not always gotten a havoc play. They've not always gotten home. And and that can happen. And that's kind of the kind of the bullshit of football where, especially if you're playing a running quarterback like Adrian Martinez, you do everything correct in the first level, but then he steps up in the pocket. And then you're asking your linebackers and your receipt and your defensive backs to cover for an extra second or two. And it doesn't matter if you have Ed Reed and Sean Taylor. I mean, you ask defensive backs to defend for a handful of seconds. They're not going to be able to do it. So I don't know. Like I've just, that that's how I've tried to rationalize like what we've been able to see because the defense has been, I mean, overall kind of good but not as good as we thought, but at times it's been even better than I assumed it would be this early yeah. on in the year. Um, for them to just, anytime they wanted to pressure Adrian Martinez, they either got in his face, hit him, or sacked his ass. And, just do it the whole game. Just, yeah, I mean, but that's like, I mean, remember You're also playing a mo- I'm not in those rooms or playing a mobile quarterback. I get it. But. Well, I mean, that's just like the TCU game last year offensively where it's like, why don't you run four verts all every play? It's like, <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't do that. You can't just run a hail Mary, like on Madden, like you're a 12 year old every single play. Like it doesn't work that way, but 
I mean, having Nick Benito as a spy, I mean, you you watched the film. I mean, was that was that a correct decision? I, I thought Nick Benito played a fine game, and I think he can do, give you something in coverage. But I, I think you're also taking a lot more away from your defense by having him do something, you know, detrimental to his skill set uh, than I guess the opposite. Saturday was big for Benito's uh, draft stock. Everybody wants to see him be in coverage more at the NFL level. He's got, the, he's got the frame. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got everything that you would want. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, if you're already going to rush three, I would want one of those three guys to be Benito. And I'd want one of – I mean, Jalen Redmond doesn't need to be rushing up the edge. Okay, let's, let's, let's scratch everything that we just said for just a second because I just mentioned this. Oh, my God, Jalen Redmond. He's good. Oh man. my God. Remember he was he, literally, he wasn't bending, right? When I told you this about the defensive end thing, like he's still straight. He's not going to, what happened on Saturday is not going to happen very often where he's just literally grabbing the left tackle and moving him out of the way and running straight. Like that's, that's not going to happen very often. His work in the run game up front, the power he has, and now he's starting to use his hands. Uh, Jamar Kane, uh, starting to use his hands. I mean, Brady, I said this, uh, and I'll even say the same name. I texted uh, Eddie after the first game, Brady, and I, you want your only hot take for me? And, you, you know, I posted about Redmond on Twitter, uh, my first only and only overreaction. I said, Redmond's going to get drafted higher than Winfrey will after this year. That was my take then. It's now. I fully believe it. This kid is playing. You know, we, we did the film review, right, from his first year, and or I did the breakdown of him. And – I think like the biggest takeaway was like, man, he just did not generate a ton of stuff on his own, but the flash plays were unbelievable. <laughs> Boy, did that change. <laughs> he is a menace. One, I actually covered Jalen Redman for three random games in, uh, when he was at Midwest city and uh, for, God, what was it? The Edmund son. And it's, it's like, it wasn't shocking to me at the time because there was one player on the field on either side that looked like, oh yeah, that's a college football player. And it was him. And <laughs> I mean, against Nebraska, it kind of reminded me of when I watched him play in high school where he is just moving human beings out of the way and finishing plays. And you remember all off season, we were talking about how if Jalen Redmond can just be a luxury piece, because to expect him to be more after missing a year and the health issues he's had to deal with, and the inconsistent play that he even had it in 2019 to expect more is just like you're wishing for too much. So for him, like just be a luxury piece, please. And now he's becoming like, a, like just a, a step under a star. If he keeps doing this, he will be a star. Like he can be an all conference player. And if you add that to an Isaiah Thomas, who continues to have, but Lord, he's amazing, man. Everybody's going to remember, yes, it was a bad miss sack opportunity, but I would rather you have a whiff on a mobile quarterback like Adrian Martinez than a whiff on a, a statue quarterback. We won't get into any specifics because we've it for, Well, and I'll say this about that play. like It forced Martinez to bring his eyes down, and he yeah, lost where no, his receivers were at. It, it sucks when you miss the tackle, but I'm telling you, like... Havoc plays, they're called havoc plays for a reason. They're important. And just if you just break up the play, and yes, you, you could 
increase the potential that a mobile quarterback picks up a lot of yards with his legs, and then you get mad at yourself for not making the tackle. But I would rather the quarterback be afraid for his life than stand there casually and just scan the field and think, no one's going to hit me. The true rush three, as we uh, as we knew from years past, like the rush three that we saw against Nebraska was not frustrating to me. It was, okay, this makes sense. I wish they were more aggressive, but it makes sense to me. Yeah, it, it was. It, I was frustrated with it just because I know how talented this defensive line is, and you're talking about like Havoc plays, right? I mean, we're finding right now, and, and we found it last year, and it's you can probably look at the data over years, Brady, and I mean – pressure rate especially in the past game is super important it the amount of if you can create a negative play or at least a zero play where they're you know it's second and 10 opposed to second and four like that's going to play dividends for the whole year um that's where my frustration was at but like you said like i do think a lot of this is solved by just having nick benito rush the quarterback like have someone else like have some have someone else do it. I, I thought they didn't play enough man coverage on Saturday. Again, like you said, it could be something that's coming. You know, like they're running a bunch of crossing routes and whatever. But you can blanket that stuff with zone underneath it and or behind, right behind it and whatever. Um, He's he is really good at spying, by the way. Like his like, his run defense on Saturday. There was a couple plays where he like legit got up under a tackle or got up under a pulling guard. He's never done that. Usually he gets buried. I, I, I'm comparing it to Deshaun White spying Sam Ellinger last year where the results were n- not very good. But I can't remember what drive it was. I can't remember what quarter it was. But Nebraska was going north into the north end zone. And Nick Benito was spying. And he crashed down on Martinez right when he was about to throw the ball and just decked his ass to the ground. I'm like, that is how you spy. It's like, yeah. It was the final were, drive, right? Okay. You want to get the sack. You want to get the sack, of course, but if you just make his life hell, if you make the quarterback's life hell when you're spying, that that is the goal of the defense. That is the goal of that role. And Nick Benito just he he's by far the best player on this team after three games, and he is by far the player that has made the largest leap uh, from even a great player that he was last year. So I mean, that's of course great, but. I mean, everybody else has to step up, but like we said, Jalen Redmond has stepped up. Isaiah Thomas has been that guy that we... Yeah, you um, were going to say, you said Benito. Like, Benito was going to be a first-round pick after or early second round after last year. He's obviously solidifying himself as a first-round prospect. I mean, Thomas probably had a fourth, fifth-round grade, maybe, after last year. I mean, he's playing like a second-round guy, and if he keeps this shit up, like, I'm not going to sit here and say he's a first-rounder, but I, what I will say is that his measurables and everything, whenever he in the NFL gets gets their, his athletic testing stuff, I, I mean, I'm not going to rule it out. Like, his pass rush is so good. His run defense is phenomenal. He just blows up everything. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I him and Benito, having every Saturday, Brady, knowing that Oklahoma has Redmond, Benito, Thomas – um, you can get into Winfrey here in a second, but they have those three. I feel pretty damn good about their chances any given Saturday to go win, no matter who they play. Um, but it's obviously everything else has got to come together. I left a nice little door for you to walk through on Perion if you have any thoughts there. Well, real quick, I just want one more thing on Benito. I, I, I think 
he's playing into a role where he could single-handedly win OU a game. Like he he could be the Ronnie Perkins of this of this team. Not that Ronnie Perkins single-handedly won OU a game last year because second half of the season the offense was rolling um for the most part. It wasn't perfect, but they were rolling way way better than they are right now. Um so they didn't necessarily need Ronnie Perkins to do that, but there's no doubt Ronnie Perkins set the tone against Texas Tech. He set the tone against Oklahoma State especially. Um he set the tone in the Cotton Bowl with just his presence, his physicality. Uh, Nick Benito, you know, like I, I can see him, I, I could see him kicking Kansas State's ass and keeping Oklahoma. If they get in a dogfight again against Kansas State and, and Manhattan, I can see Nick Benito being the difference because he's playing that well. But Perion Winfrey, he is the luxury piece. <laughs> he is the luxury piece of this defensive line because it's like when he shows up, great. When he doesn't, you know what? Isaiah Coe is playing better than you. And I couldn't be more happy because I think, what was it? Spring ball. I was like, you saw a picture. <laughs> yeah, I saw a picture. I was like, that's my favorite new player, Isaiah Coe. He just looks like a mean motherfucker. And I, and, and I mean that with all due respect. I, I just, I like the look. I like the physicality. And all that dude has done is made, made plays. He blocked the extra point. Um, but it wasn't just that. Like he was creating havoc, he was moving guys around. He's good in run. He's good in run stopping. He's good at pa- pass rushing. He he does a lot of good things. He and he, Oklahoma wasn't going to take him. Remember, he, he doesn't have the unique unicorn look of a Perry sure. on Winfrey. But if you just combined Perry on Winfrey and Isaiah Coe, so basically, if you gave Perry on Winfrey Isaiah Coe's motor, whoo, that is a first round defensive tackle. Yeah, I, that's what I was just saying a second. They weren't even going to take Isaiah Coe. Remember. Like they were oh, worried yeah. him. He committed, and Oklahoma was like, "Wait, what?" Like, yeah, you didn't have a, I, I totally didn't have a committable offer. That. Yeah, they better be thanking their lucky stars. He's there now because that kid can play. Josh Ellison, monster game on Saturday. I think that's the best he's looked in an Oklahoma uniform too. Just a junior, Brady. By the way, he's only twenty-one. You have to. I have to always remind myself that he's not a normal JUCO guy. He came after one year. Um, Perion, it's it's one of those things where you know this because we've talked and we've known each other for so long, and we talk we've talked Oklahoma football for forever. I mean, four years ago, I had a major major concern. I thought the talent was there. I thought the motor was there. I thought he played too high, and when you play too high against Power Five players, whether you're more talented, whether you're this, whether you're that, you can get beat because those guys know how to play with leverage. They know how to play within their base. They know how to get deep in their stance and be able to deal with it. And it's like nothing has changed. He just gets up off the line and thinks that he can just run in and run through everybody. And by God, he can sometimes because he is, whenever he wants to go, he's unbelievable to be stopped. But Let's, uh, let's focus on the third and eight late in the game. Uh, the play that Pat Fields, everybody's talking about. Guys, you got to – Pat Fields is a smart guy. He knows how athletic he is. He knows that if he didn't play Martinez making a move inside and he played like going to take him out, he was probably going to get beat. So get that out of the way first. <laughs> but um, Perry on on that play, they did a stunt and he got put on his ass. And the gap that he was in, that's where Martinez ran through. And, like, that is a – it's a concern 
it's a it's a major concern. Uh, Peyton Guthrie, that comes with on with us on the post game shows, uh, even mentioned the fact that he would start Co at this point. I don't think that's crazy. I don't. If you're going to get your best four on the field, like I'm not 100 percent sure it's Perry on Winfrey at this point, and he's got to go prove it. He's got a great opportunity. The next two weeks, there's going to be no like like last week. There's going to be nobody that can block him. Nobody. There's there's really not anybody in college football, maybe outside of a handful of guys that should be able to block him on a consistent basis. But when it's not, it's hurting your defense, um, especially when you're only rushing three and you need – he got triple teamed at times. Like, they were single blocking the edge guys that were playing contain and he was getting tripled, and I get all that. But the times when he's not, there's too many times when he's just not super active, it seems like. And – um, you know, he did get tripled. He did get doubled, uh, at times on Saturday, but you know, we said the same thing about Tulane. And then when he got doubled late in the game against Tulane, it wasn't a problem when he got doubled, when Isaiah Coe got doubled, it wasn't a problem when Josh Ellison and Jalen Redmond got doubled against Nebraska. It wasn't a problem because those guys aren't very good. I mean, that part of the scout worked out perfectly. Um, that they should have, they dominated up front and should have. So, um, that's my biggest thing, uh, really, at, you know, at the end of the day. I did think we learned something on Saturday, Brady. We haven't learned yet. Maybe I was right about them having a uh, Lou Groza award-winning level punter. Michael Turk can play. That, I don't know if they bring up, like, as a weapon to have, but I've said this to you Unfortunately before. for this offense, it is. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. It could be the worst thing that happened. Now Lincoln's got a defense he can trust, he's got a kicker he can trust, and he's got a punter he can trust. That could just make things worse, right? Well, it should just make you smarter, not more conservative. <laughs> sure. you know, and, you know, that was something that we talked about before the Tulane game was hopefully Lincoln Riley doesn't lose an aggressive edge just because he has a lot of these luxuries he was not fortunate enough to have in the first few years of his head coaching career at OU where you didn't have a great defense, where you didn't have you know, like field goal kicking that you could count on because, you know, God love Austin Seibert, but you know how many times he missed kicks. He was a better punter than he was a kicker. Sure, you know. Cool. And the NFL hasn't figured that out yet, I guess. Oh yeah, he's, is he still kicking for the? Is he with the Lions? I think he missed a kick last week too. Again. Oh, oh well. No squib kick references here, kids. Uh, Lincoln Riley in, in the play calling, but I, I guess one more thing on the defense. I mean, what did he say about Billy Bowman yesterday? Is he back or is he going to be back fairly quickly? Bowman, he basically sounded like he's going to be back this week. Uh, when you watch the film review, Brady, it's going to be a good thing that he's back. Uh, I I think the Jeremiah Cordell experiment is about over. Um, In terms of just setting the edge or coverage getting beaten coverage too i mean there were multiple times on saturday that if martinez had time like it would have been a problem so um bowman's the better nickel makes a lot of sense why he's on defense off the bat uh he's he's a more natural player there he's got better instincts there he's he's really just a he's a coach's kid right he's uh works hard he's in the weight room all the time uh bowman's a good player i'm a, i'm a fan of him at, at nickel a uh, little was a little skeptical at first, but he's a, he's a good player and he's something to be back. Woody Washington, he said he's going to miss a significant amount of time, but they still expect him back at some point this season. 
Who knows what that means in terms of coach speak. Not too worried about corner. They got good depth there. And Latrell McCutcheon still looks good. Justin Harrington still there. Jaden Davis, as well as DJ Graham. But getting Bowman back is a major plus for this defense yeah. because of that nickel position. They just have not had that. Since Grinch has been in Norman, they have not had that guy at nickel. I'm not saying Billy Bowman is. Uh, we still got a lot to figure out. But it's a lot better starting place than what Buki was at. Uh, poor Buki, by the way, goes up to Washington, and they just are terrible. Um, but he, uh, anyways, regardless of that, I, I do think Bowman added is a big plus. In Washington missing, that's a position they could have – they are a little expendable there. They can they can drop a guy or two. Uh, DJ Graham gets hurt for man coverage. That would worry me. But outside of that, Latrell McCutcheon's just got to continue to get the playbook right, as everybody saw in the Western Carolina film review. Uh, he started, played three snaps, and got taken out. Because <laughs> uh, he – or he was at three or four snaps. He didn't know a call or – he was playing man coverage. Uh, I think even on Saturday, he played man coverage on a play when everybody was playing zone. So he's got to get the playbook, but he's a fantastic player. Um, not too worried about corner, but getting Bowman back, I think, is just a major addition to this defense. I guess moving over to the offense. Oh, I mean, you said his name earlier, and uh, you guys had a little bit of a back and forth on Twitter, so I'll, I'll bring his name up. But Gabe Eichard um, has certainly made a name for himself in the, I guess, the realm of OU media because he has, you know, he's not afraid to share his opinion or fight with his opinion with people on Twitter, which, you know, fine, whatever. You're a former player. You have a perspective that we don't have, but some of us have also watched football for a long time, like Keegan. Like, Keegan understands X's and O's. He understands what players are supposed to do. Um, I don't have the X's and O's knowledge, but I can tell when someone is good and when someone fucking sucks. So my, my question to you about Andrew Rame, who I, yes, no doubt made mistakes, but whatever logic Gabe is using, is he using that same logic with Robert Conjol or is he just ignoring that to throw more criticism on Andrew Rame? Because look, Gabe Eichert works for OU. He talks with Bill Beanbow. I would assume with my little caveman brain that Rame is either not doing something correct in practice consistently. Biedenboe is communicating that to Gabe Eichard. And then Gabe Eichard is regurgitating that as his own opinion about Andrew Rame and shoving not harsh criticism, but correct criticism on Andrew Rame but it, it's harsh in that he doesn't use it on a Robert Conjol because my caveman brain and my stupid blue eyes can tell you Robert Conjol sucks compared to Andrew Rame. And I'm tired of this shit. I'm tired of, I, I get from the coaches coaching perspective of do it in practice because you won't get the opportunity in the game. That is how you should coach, but it does get to a point where it is so obvious the offensive line is so much better when Andrew Rame is there and when he's on. And the only way that he's going to be there and get on in terms of the consistency is the opportunities. So I think Robert Conjol has had his time. And that time has passed. I'll say this. I, I don't think Gabe's wrong that Rame, like if you want to grade him out as one of the worst from last week, like I don't I don't think that's wrong. I don't I don't think any 
what Gabe said along those lines. But what I will say is that whenever I said this to you before we came on, when rain struggled, everybody around them was also struggling. Left guard was getting beat. Left tackle was getting beat. Chris Murray was okay, not his normal self. And, and so was, you know, at right tackle with Tyrese. But in the second and third quarters, it was, it's very obvious that Rame's the answer. It's, it's just about continuity. And, you know, exactly what I said back to game. And I think where I was at was in – I think he and I almost agree with it. He just kind of wanted to have that out there. But if that's the worst they're going to see from Andrew Rame, they're going to be okay. Like, they're going to be just fine at the center position. So, I, I don't know. Again – you know, these guys, you got to – everybody listening to this has to remember, these guys have the end zone view that you guys will see on our film reviews in the offseason more specifically. Um, you guys have the end zone view where you can see the offensive line movement more clearly, who's supposed to be blocking who, how the defensive line's lining up. Are they in a four-eye? Are they in a three? Are they in a five? Are they in a wide five? You can't really tell that from the broadcast, which changes how the blocking scheme goes. But it's apparent – in the second and third quarter that he's the answer. I mean, he's more violent. I said this to you after the first time we watched him. He's got more violent hands um, from last season. He's got more violent hands. He's longer. He's more athletic. He's meaner. Um, He's just got to put it all together. And I I think continuity, and along the same lines too, Brady, it goes with Spencer Rattler. Like, he is now, this is the, this would be, what, the third time that he's worked with a new center all week. So, like, take, you know, before Rain tested positive for COVID during fall camp, he was the starting center. Then Conjo becomes the center, right? And Spencer's only practicing with him. And then last, the first three weeks, um, you know, I, I think that whenever you look at it, it definitely appears that Rain wasn't working with this unit all the time. And so get that continuity in practice, get comfortable with it. Creed Humphrey wasn't great from day one either. Uh, whenever he first started drunk, just that bad, <laughs> you know, and uh, not bad. I mean, again, that's on a scale of talking about being an elite player or not. So um, it's going to come in time. I think that I don't think what Gabe said is crazy. I don't necessarily disagree with him, but I, I do and will stand put on the fact that this offensive line is – going to be better with Andrew Raymond in it than they are without it. And it's, yeah. it's pretty obvious. Like it's pretty obvious. Yeah. I mean, Gabe, like I'm not, I'm not saying Gabe's wrong. Rain made mistakes. I could see them just like you could, just like Gabe could. But my, my question to him, like if that was me talking to him would have been, okay, did, what did Robert Conjol do? Like, are you using the same critical, you know, lens on Robert Conjol because like it doesn't it doesn't seem like you are and it seems it's like a floor de- ce- it's a floor ceiling conversation right yeah, like, and, and, and i hate to have it but and it seems it seems like it's pointed for for reasons that i would again assume are coming from coaches he talks to and, and has access to and you know it's like i brought it up before um you know covering the thunder for a handful of years people have their opinions on the uh, tv coverage guys and I keep reminding people like, yeah, they say silly things, but remember their paychecks are signed by Clay Bennett. Like, so it's in their best interest to sunshine pump the Oklahoma city thunder. So 
don't don't get I, I would say just don't get mad at that Gabe Eichert or Teddy Lehman say some sunshine stuff about OU football because that's what they're paid to do. If you if you don't want sunshine for your OU football, then you come listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't even say that. I, I think we stirred the drink a little bit the, before the season. I think we bought into a little bit of what's coming out of camp. But again, I, Brady, I said this to you. Like, I don't think what we've said about camp and this and that, I don't think any of it's wrong. Like, we've said this, and maybe this is the big picture point we need to get into. We talked a little bit about it on Saturday. Whenever you watch the film review, you'll see it even more. It's like they're pressing. It's like the coaching staff feels the expectations and they've exerted that on the players. The players don't look like they're having fun on the football field unless they make a play. Like, look at the best Oklahoma teams. Um, I mean, in, in my and that I've covered it and even back, like take that two, that 2010 team was fun. They had so it looked like at the end of the year, they were having so much fun playing the game and like, whatever you're a coach and you've got your thumb on everything that a player is doing or you're expecting, or you're saying, don't make mistakes or, you know, we need to play clean football all the time. And like, like players press, like there, there is a piece of this where like, I feel like if Lincoln would just put a damn smile on his face, I mean, Baker used to tap his ass after plays and coming off the field. Like that was obviously they had a little bit different relationship. You know what I'm saying? But like, let's go have fun. Like, when Rattler's oh, yeah. having fun and like when, when it looks like Rattler's coming off and he's talking mad shit and like, don't get me wrong. I know people are like, Oh, like, like Spencer being Spencer, you know, but like he rise from that. Like you could tell whenever that false start happened on Tyrese Robinson late in the game, a rain, that snap infraction. And he was super pissed about it. Like that was the first time for me when I was like, okay, Spencer understands that. Like I have to be that guy. Like, yeah. I, if it's if if moving forward, if I'm not going to be an asshole to my teammates because I don't want to be because that's I'm not a confrontational guy, like he has to be that guy, and I think he can't be that guy if if he feels all this pressure about worrying about not. I would rather it's not it's not crazy. I think you would agree with me. I would rattler. I would rather rattler throw four touchdowns and two picks in a game. I would rather him be aggressive and make mistakes. I would rather him, this whole conservative stuff from him, like, again, I, I hate to make this comp, but it's the comp that he has. And it's because of how he plays and, and his talents. You think Pat Mahomes gives a single fuck, pardon my French here, if he was making a mistake in college being aggressive? No. One, because he knew that no matter what, he didn't have championship aspirations in Lubbock, Brady, but like, Again, like, that's my big thing. Like, it just seems like everybody's pressing. It just seems like they're feeling the expectations from everybody and they're trying to meet them instead of going to get them. Like, the only expectation they need to, and I think Lincoln had a great quote on his coaching show last night that Eddie Rodospich tweeted out, but, um, like, they need to set this expectation for themselves. They need to go meet it, but you got to have fun in that journey. You got to have fun in that process. It's winning's hard. Like I agree. Winning is really, really hard. Look at the, uh, look at the against the spread stuff. Like, point total I put out last week between 20 and a half points or 20 and 35. <laughs> right. I mean, Alabama under Nick Saban during the same time period is only four games better. Like it is hard. Like it, it is, it, but it takes everybody. It takes having fun. It takes everybody playing loose. Um, 
And that's my biggest thing. Like, and I said this yeah. to you on Saturday, I've tweeted this out. Like until that changes, like I'm not going to be super disappointed in the players play. Like I'm just not now the only, the only area that needs to just, it has to get its shit together, Brady. And I, we haven't talked about this and it's not a huge deal, but I mean, the tight ends and the blocking stuff is, is hurting them. Missing screen game, missing blocks. That's Stogner. That's Willis. Jeremiah Hall getting blown up um, at the line of scrimmage as, a, as an inline tight end. That stuff has to change because it is hurting the offense. But Also, also Kennedy Brooks cannot pass block. <laughs> no, he can. That's the big thing. Like, he, that he was so abnormal. Two, yeah, I know. He, he, he just whiffed on two big uh, – I was like, wait, I thought Kennedy Brooks was good at this. What the hell is this? I've got a video clip I need to retweet or quote tweet and be like, guys, like, I think he's going to be okay blocking. Like, there was a play in the 2019 Big 12 Championship game that one of their best defensive linemen were coming off unblocked, and he just stoned stoned him. Like, that's so – I'm not too worried about that. But, again, like, before I sit it back over, my thing. Like, big picture-wise, like, when 2017 and 18, 16, 15, when they were rolling – Last year, when they were rolling, they were aggressive. They were having fun. Um, and, like, you can tell that they're not having either of those things right now. So, that's my final piece from the Nebraska game, man. It's just – it's frustrating to watch because, like, again, I know how talented they are because of the people I talk to on a daily basis. It's just frustrating. Well, I think the thing you talked about is exactly true because I've not felt it at one one bit this year except maybe the second quarter of the Tulane game, because I thought, that oh, okay, now now they're here. But this team has not been fun. It, it's no. not been fun. And it's a little frightening, because I'm not saying that this team's going to end up like 2014, but I remember feeling that way in 2014, uh, early in the year, where I'm like, this this team isn't very fun. I mean, they beat Tennessee that year early, early in the season, and that was fun because um, Tennessee brought a lot of fans, there was a 100-yard interception return for a touchdown by Julian Wilson that day. Um, Eric Stryker kept getting sacks left and right. But I just remember kind of leaving that game going like, huh, that, I don't know, that this team feels a little odd. And then they go into West Virginia, and Samaj P. Ryan like destroys them in the second half, but they also don't throw the ball once in the second half. And I remember thinking, that is not a good sign. And their their next game is in Fort Worth, the day that Katie, Katie Perry um, confessed her love to Trevor Knight. And OU lost their first game of the year, and they would go on to lose. Yeah, Matt more. Corral's fucked, isn't he? Pardon my French here. Oh, yeah. Well, the I mean... Katie Perry, big fan. There, There is no Katie Perry curse. It was just Trevor Knight's not good. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. You're I not mean, wrong. Call it a curse if you want, but Trevor Knight was never going to be good. Um but this this team does like kind of what we talked about, or at least I did on the post game pod on Saturday, where I will give some of the Landry Jones equal Spencer Rattler um, talk some credence. Is just yeah, he doesn't really inspire a lot of great fun play. Now that play you did mention, you highlighted where he blew up on Tyrese Robinson for the false start. Like yeah, I felt the same way too. I'm like good. I'm glad to see like that you give a shit because I've I've really yet to see it unless. 
you know, everything's rolling in a positive way. It's like, okay, it's, it's one thing to be like a leader and like being up in everybody's face and high fiving when things are going well, but when things aren't going well, the team is supposed to look to you, you know? So seeing that was a positive thing, of course, moving forward, but this team just doesn't have a lot of fun and therefore doesn't inspire a lot of fun and therefore does not come off as fun when you're watching them as a fan, at least from my perspective. Um, Lincoln Riley as well. I think you're exactly right how he just, he's coaching rather uptight um, or he, he doesn't look like he's having a lot of fun either. And I don't know if it's just because all the expectations and there's not a Baker Mayfield personality to kind of like take away from the pressure of the team by like, Baker Mayfield's over here and all the attention goes over there and Baker's good enough that he could handle it. Or Kyler Murray is so good at football that the attention is on his ability and his ability alone. And it's easier to coach. There's no personality on this team, which isn't a bad thing, but there's no personality like external personality on this team. That's taking away from the pressure. Like the pressure is on the team and it's on the coaching staff. And Lincoln Riley just, again, I don't know if it's what we talked about earlier about holding the cards until the Texas game or Kansas State, whatever game it may be. Um, We talked about this before we started recording, but the leak route play to Mario Williams that he threw into triple coverage at the the beginning of the game. I I don't want to think that Riley's dumb. Because I don't either. I don't either. You run that play against man coverage, which gets Mario Williams on one guy. And if it was on one guy, it would have been that linebacker, right? It would have been the linebacker who identified the play and then busted his ass to catch up to Mario. But the thing is, if it's the linebacker, you just lead Mario Williams and he makes the catch. Well, the safety didn't like they played cover three against it and the linebacker didn't bite or the running back didn't get out of the backfield quick enough. And like they the safety was there. I mean, it just yeah. it shouldn't have it shouldn't have been run, but it also could have been run in a way where Riley looks at it like you're saying and goes, Spencer, like I called this because the running back is probably going to be open in the flat. Like, yeah, take the running back. Well, that, that's the thing is I don't want to I don't want to believe that Riley's all of a sudden dumb with his play calling. Like they're running cover three. Yeah, you ideally don't run that play, but it can still work. It just goes to a different route. And so I want to believe that is Riley calling stuff to basically have Spencer Rattler prove to him, hey, can you do the simple stuff that isn't <laughs> typical? Can you do atypical things that are rather simple? Can you hit a wheel route? Can you hit a... A, can you hit an out route? Can you hit something that isn't like something where the defense understands, oh God, here's this play. We've seen them run it 5,000 times. Coaches yelled at us to like identify where Mario Williams is or Marvin Mims is, go chase them. Okay, well then Kennedy Brooks is out here. Or Eric Gray is out here wide open. Can you hit that route? Spencer Rattler has shown, you know, time and time again this year that he has not been able to do that. But you claim that he's close. You claim that this offense is close. And I'm just afraid that this team is going to be perpetually close because I think we could go into any disappointing OU offense in any year and look at them time and time again and say, man, they were close because they're talented. 2014's offense, disappointing, but talented. 2011's offense, disappointing, but very talented. 2001. Disappointing, but very talented. 
but you could probably go into each game and go, man, Nate Hibble, just see that route. And this game is different or Landry Jones, see that route. And this game is different. I'm just afraid that this team might be perpetually close, but never able to get over the hump. But Lincoln Riley seems to think so. I think the the biggest thing for me is like, if you want to go from year by year, like where they're at in the season and look at the success that they're having, like in, you know, looking back at last year a little bit, they're in a much better place, you know, but I'll say this. You can't assume that, right? Like if West Virginia is going to say, come out and play just a deep cover three or deep cover two or cover four, um, I think the the biggest thing is that, oh, I don't know. Like, you just got to be able to adjust, you know? And that's on Lincoln. He's right. They're playing a lot of 10-man football. One guy not doing his job. Whether it's a missed block on the edge with the, you know, with the tight ends on a screen game, whether it's one lineman, whether it's Spencer, they're playing a lot of 10-man football. That can all be corrected in the film room and on the practice field. But like I said, what was it last week, right? On the same on the same Tuesday pot. Like it's time for that stuff from practice to translate. Like we've all been there. Uh, you know, everybody that's ever played the game has been there where you go through phases of time where the stuff that you do on the practice field is not showing up in games. And it's beyond frustrating. It's beyond frustrating for everybody. Yeah. And it's just gotta happen. Like, I hate to say this again for the second straight week. They're a 16 and a half point favorite. I know, Brady, you're tired of me maybe talking about this, but they are tw- they are four touchdowns better than West Virginia, talent-wise. Talent. Yeah, just, like, just like they were against Nebraska, just like they were against Tulane. Like, the spread, I'm not shitting on the spread. The spread is the standard. Yeah. And OU it did not meet the standard against Nebraska or Tulane. They won the game. They did the bare fucking minimum, in my opinion, but they did not meet the standard, especially the expectations that they themselves and we have bestowed upon them. Those are, and we say this all the time. And when I bring that stuff up, it's because it's the only arbitrary number. I could bring up our projections for each game. And like, that's not nearly as important as what Vegas's number is. Like, it's just not. And we, we analyze the sports betting market as closely as anybody in terms of finding trends, finding who Vegas is finding to be higher in their power rating, um, how they rank them, you know, this and that, whatever. This is a line that Oklahoma needs to come out and go cover on Saturday because that means you surpassed expectations like Brady is saying. So I hate to kind of put that barometer out there instead of sit here and be like, oh, Oklahoma needs to throw for 400 yards and rush for 250 and do this and do that. Like, no, like play complimentary football and go win by three touchdowns because that's what you're capable of. That's what they're capable of every single week. Um, And they need to start living up to those expectations Brady, I hate to make a comparison here because I'm not going to do it. It's really probably not a good one, but I'm a Cardinals fan. Brady's heard me talk about baseball season being over like six times this year. They're playing up to expectations now. They're playing. They're a talented roster. They struggled. They had injuries. They had other issues. And now they're playing up to expectation, and they're going to make the playoffs. And it's amazing. They've won 10 straight games. So – I, what I'm worried about, Brady, is that when you talk about when good teams that can have those moments when everything clicks and the light turns on, it's because they have really good quality leadership. And 
I think that when you think about this team and you're projecting them from my end, projecting them moving forward, like I want to see them cover a line, but I also want to see one, them have fun. And two, when that light turns on to stay there, not just for one week, don't show up West Virginia and show up. Don't go to Manhattan and just show up. Don't go to the show up every single week, get better every single week. Like Oklahoma teams have done my entire lifetime. Uh, they go and do that. I think you'll be pretty happy with the end result. And I think everybody will be, um, especially considering the fact that Ohio is broken. Um, Alabama is not nearly as good. Like I was trying to tell everybody, not nearly as good as what they showed against Miami or the first couple games. Miami um, is truly a bad team. They're bad. They're really bad. Um, I, I Manny, struck, I struck out on that one. So hard. <laughs> I, I, Manny, I, I want Miami to be good. So again, so bad. Cause I just want OU to beat them. <laughs> I mean, Manny Diaz is Manny, Manny Diaz on Manny Diaz, you know, he is, it is what it is. Yeah. It's kind of like me. It's kind of like me putting hope in Clay Helton and now USC fires him and they look unstoppable last week. But um, I was uh, just to wrap up where my head's at. I just, it's just time, man. Like last year we talked about it for the TCU game and the Texas tech game. I had them actually losing the TCU last year in that game where they end up blowing them out. Um they need to do that. Like, I don't, you can't just get back to that point. You got to work to it. They got to work to it. They got it this week. You got to take steps. Deal with Dante Stills inside. West runs a good defense. Deal with that. Uh, defensively dominate from snap one. Assert your will. Um, I haven't even studied West Virginia yet this year, but they do those things. They start getting some confidence in themselves that they are the team that they think they are and that everybody thinks they are. I think everybody will be happy with the end result. Just can't assume, like you said, like I, we put in the Monday post, right? Like can't assume that they're just going to figure it out at this point. You can't. You, you, just, you just can't. They show up this week. They're favored by 16 and a half. I'm sitting here, Brady, telling you, I am staying as far away from Oklahoma for like three weeks if I was going to bet or, or do anything. Just I don't trust them. I just don't. So that's where my head's at. Um, we do have some news I can comment on a little bit. This will yeah. be out there. Yeah. So Go while on. we were, while we were recording this podcast, uh, we were made aware of a rumor apparently apparently that's on Sooner Scoop. So um, and it's about a player that we highlighted about thirty minutes ago um, in this podcast. So yeah, go ahead and take it away, Keegan. Yeah, I don't have this obviously confirmed yet, but pretty pretty reliable area it doesn't sound like redmond's going to be around for a minute i don't want to talk about specifics of injury because i've been able to run it down um don't know time frame don't know nothing but we're aware of it we're checking on it to confirm it um and uh let's just say i'll pull a lincoln riley here brady sounds like a lower body injury <laughs> i'll, yeah. I'll leave. just take this information I, I don't want to say too much just take this information as getting prepared for bad news potentially, you know? So, uh, the optimistic thing is that, you know, the rumor is wrong <laughs> and you know, this is all for nothing, but that's why we're not reporting anything. So, <sighs> Oh, well, Oh, well, let's end on a high note. Let's end on an absolute high note. Uh, on the Monday slash Tuesday post, I presented a, not necessarily a question for the question of the week, but I presented basically a prompt for our patrons 
uh, to basically take us through the roller coaster of emotions that went through uh, the fourth down play where DJ Graham made perhaps the finest athletic defensive play that I've seen in some time. You know, it's it's not the Roy Williams play because that's something that I don't know how that's ever ever going to be replicated. We see one-handed catches all the time, um, especially you know nowadays. Like athletes are just so so talented. But the way that DJ Graham intercepted that ball, it it was it was even more amazing than the um, Odell Beckham Jr. one-handed catch that he had a handful of years ago. Because just because that dude was horizontal to the ground in midair and the ball was in his hand and then he was able to turn and land on his back with the ball securely in his arm and it ne- it didn't even require a review it was just such a clean catch and it was just in- it was just incredible so i wanted our patrons to take us through uh who or what what they went through on that play there were a lot of fun ones to read shout out to mark h um <laughs> Always gives me crap about uh, you know, Mike Stoops, but you know it is what it is. I've got my thing. I'm glad that people have caught on to it. But uh, Matt Burton, our lovely, sexy producer, please, please take it away. This week's question: We wanted you to describe the roller coaster of emotions you went through in the two or so seconds in between the Adrian Martinez throw and the DJ Graham interception. So, without further ado, let's get inside of your mind. First, let's start off. In the mind of Jim Jackson. Oh my God, this is going to end our season. I can't believe this is happening again. Why does God hate? Did he catch that? Next, let's get inside the mind of Alex Bryant. Oh my God, they let him out of the pocket. There's going to be someone wide open in the end zone. Oh God, oh God, oh God, okay, he's covered. Oh God, oh God. He got it! And then dies. Next, let's get inside the mind of Ryan DeBish. Oh, wow. I wonder who he left open this time. At least we should be prepared to recover. Holy shit, that is the greatest catch I've ever seen a DB make. We still might cover. Play Boomer sooner. 15-0. And now let's get inside this week's winner's mind. Travis Crosby. Oh shit, he got out of the pocket. Not another fluke-ass play of the century. Why does every QB have the game of their life against us? The ball releases. Starts chugging beer. (laughs) Holy shit, did he just catch that? Apologizes to his mom, who is sitting across from him at a table, for spitting the beer on her. Then proceeds to finish the beer. And congrats, congrats, congrats to the winner. Get a Disco Retro OU sticker. So I'll just be reaching out to you on the Patreon DMs, get the address, send you that, maybe send you a a little something else, like maybe a thank you letter, or if I find any other little OU morsels around my apartment, I might throw that in the package as well. So uh, just a little bit of a thank you to our patrons. Um, I like giving out free stuff. I like giving away stuff because you guys are giving us so much. Um, It's the least that I can do. It's the least that we can do. So Thank you to that. But yeah, we do that every Monday on the Monday post. I'll put a question of the week out there and usually have a prize implication for uh, our patrons that decide to answer. So yeah, 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 yeah. We have a lot of fun with it. But 
everybody, thank you so much for listening to Through the Keyhole. Keegan, any final final thoughts before we get into X's and O's tomorrow at Vanessa House? I do not. No, just I, I think the biggest thing is come come to Saturday's game before we even get in tomorrow with an open mind. <laughs> and have fun at the game if you go. 6.30 kickoff, huh? Little night game. Didn't really talk about that too much. I'm sure we will tomorrow. Yeah, it's a, it's a little weird. It's a little odd. I don't know what we're going to be doing, but uh, I don't know how we're going to handle ourselves, us us uh, plebs and Norman, but you know, what, whatever. We'll have fun with it. We'll have absolute fun with it. Everybody, once again, thank you for listening to Through the Keyhole. We love you guys so much. Five-star reviews, five-star ratings. We appreciate those so much. Please, if you've not done so, please leave one. We would appreciate that. Uh, patreon.com slash through the keyhole facebook.com keyhole pod everybody thank you so much until next time boomer sooner and we'll talk to you later